did you hear that Devin Booker had a plus minus of like 37 last night? He had 48 points and 11 assists and 10 of 10 from the free throw line. And if you haven't got the message that your trading percentages are incredibly exclusive for a player of his usage rating, I'll continue conversating while the suns are escalating. One day they'll be jumping on that podium and celebrating. So the panel guys, they love to analyze the suns. Yeah, the so the panel guys, they love to analyze the suns. Tompkins, we have Dave King as well as Greg Esposito on this episode. So, starting this one off with something a little bit light, uh, Mikel Bridges looking at his basketball reference nicknames, and I think that they could use a little bit of a revamp. So these are the ones that are listed on basketball reference for our beloved rookie, Mikael Bridges. The nicknames include Noodles, ins- Noodles, Inspector no. Go-Go Gadget. Oh no. crap! String bean. No God. Do they just make these some of these up? Brittle. Brittle. Yeah. What? That's that's been Devin Booker the last two seasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Brittle Booker. <laughs> and a praying mantis. I don't mind that one, but how about bridges over troubled waters? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> that's just awful. It is. It's very bad. That's worse than brittle. <laughs> are you serious? Those are his nicknames? Yeah. yeah. So I think that we need to come up with something else. I came up with one, and I, I, I think that we should call him Hands. Oh, God. No, the reason, the reason for it is because when you have a player that is constantly getting steals, um, constantly getting deflections, constantly getting blocks, especially somebody that's not a big that's doing those types of things, Um, a lot of the times in pickup games, you call them hands and that becomes like their nicknames because they have really great hands. So I thought for Mikhail Bridges, hands might be one option. How about the Mikhail man? Because he delivers on the defensive end. Oh, I like that one actually. (laughs) I don't, I don't get it. I'm not a nickname guy though. You don't get what, what isn't there to get? (laughs) I don't get how great it is, is what I mean. Oh, I got you. I just don't get how great it is. I mean, I don't I'm not against just calling him gadget, Inspector Gadget. That's not bad. What what is it what does it mean though? Inspector Gadget is way too long. Because because Inspector Gadget had the arms that went everywhere and you know I get it. Yeah, I like I like gadget. Gadget's fine. I just the thing is with me, if you're gonna have a nickname, it should be shorter than the full name. Otherwise, just say the full name. So, go, go, Inspector Gadget <laughs> is way too long. <laughs> he does have a 7-1 wingspan, uh, which is coming very handy. He does handy. have long arms, and they do look, uh, you know, I guess if, if there wasn't already a spider out there, that'd be a good one. Spider would be good. Spider bridges. Mickey long legs. No? Uh, that doesn't sound right. Mickey long Growth arms? Chart. <laughs> Growth chart. Growth <laughs> chart. <No. laughs> So maybe we can call on our listeners. <laughs> That's why there aren't any better ones. On- <laughs> we, we need some better ones. Uh, well, we don't. He does. So, you know, go ahead. Hit us up on Twitter. If you're watching on YouTube right now, leave them in the comments below. Wait, what was the wait, wait, what was the name of the bad guy in the Spider-Man movie? Octa Doc Ock. Doc Ock. No, that doesn't fit either. Nick <laughs> Ock. No. All right. Never mind. Go ahead. Next topic. <laughs> so I thought that this was a joke. And I've thought it was a joke for like the last month. I'm like, there's no way that this is real. This is some sort of like people playing around with Photoshop on the internet and, uh, you know, just making fun of the team and I get it. It turns out it's not. Uh, Northern Arizona Suns becoming the NAZ Rodeo Clowns. And I gotta tell you, man, these guys, they're trying to get into the league. They're, they're working really hard. Don't do this to them. And they're... And they're already playing for an organization that gets called clowns all the time. So yeah, like, don't the dress them up like them. Like <laughs> just, just give them a break. Just call them the Bulls or something. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna do the rodeo theme, because that's what they were going for. It's the rodeo theme. That's the history of that area. Apparently, is is proud of their rodeo history. But don't be the clown. <laughs> we're already clowns. 
be the bull riders or something, you know, like yeah. something cool, like call them the riders. And it's a, it's a bull rider thing or something. It's something. Don't call them the clowns. Yeah. And the, the uniforms like the make That's it like worse. Jester. If you want to be royal, oh, let's call us the court jesters. No, you call yourselves the kings. <laughs> Heck, even the princes. I'll take any, the poppers even. Like, but why, why, seriously, the uniforms too. I mean, I, I mean, even Prescott is disappointed in rodeo clowns. <laughs> But no, Prescott's distancing itself from Prescott Valley right now. They're going, no, we're two different places. <laughs> we're not, Prescott Valley it's, is its own thing right now. Nope, nope. We're we always knew Prescott you. Valley sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what the hell is this? I mean, the uniforms make it worse. And I'm a uniform guy, and they're, they're so bad that I want one just because of how awful they are because nobody will believe it ever happened 20 years from now. Are they, are they bad or are they actually kind of amazing? Like they're, no, they are god awful. They're gonna put. You would wear them to ha- like a Halloween. Uh, no, I wouldn't. I would never put that on my body for anything. And the poor and poor guys, like to your point, a George King who's who's a rookie who's just trying to get in the league has to dress like an asshole right now. All right, pardon my language, but he's got to go out there and do his profession in that outfit. All right. There has been some crazy uh, outfits in in the G League. Over the last couple of years, I think teams are trying to do uh, a little bit of what uh, AAA baseball did a few, several years ago. I was going to say Jacksonville uh-huh. changing their their uh, AAA uh, uh, baseball team to they changed it from the Suns actually into the Jumbo Shrimp, and there was this huge like uproar. But people really <laughs> like the name the Jumbo Shrimp now; it's really but, taken on. But I don't think the Rodeo Clowns has that same appeal. No, no. see, and I you guys can see. I mean, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm wearing. Uh, like a Chandler Diamondbacks hat. It's an old, uh, old uh, fall league baseball team, and I collect a bunch of those random minor league hats. I got a, I got a Bacon hat. It was a, it was a team that changed their name to the Bacon for uh, the Fighting Bacon for for a game. I buy a bunch of those random minor league hats. They went so on I, a sizzling hot streak. They did. Yes. No. But like uh, the Fresno Grizzlies, every Tuesday become the ta- the Fresno Tacos. Like. Like there's cool things you can do. Tuesday, the, yeah. the, the rodeo clowns are not one of those cool things. The coolest Especially thing, the logo. No, the logo oh, makes it even more of a joke than just rodeo clowns in the first place. But, but I mean, the you bat- could be you could be a rodeo clown that's like the 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 bad guy from it. You know, you could be a scary rodeo clown that everyone's afraid of. Um, that is a big thing around the country right now, or it ha- was a year ago anyway. So you could have done that, but no, this is like the the goofy rodeo clown that just gets run over all the time. Did you see that the only thing that that was good that came out of this? Uh, and I'm gonna curse for the second time on this show, but it's it's because of on Reddit, somebody took that logo, put Sarver's face on the clown, and changed it to the ass clowns. All right, <laughs> that was kind of funny. That was kind of funny. But that's even that was a little too much. All right. Like <laughs> this is like somebody asking one of us to go into our profession dressed like a Hooters waitress. It's just like <laughs> you you're never gonna get respect again. Okay. Oh my god. I would do that. I'm gonna no, I can't. <laughs> yeah, it's I always get sent home. I do so work in government. <laughs> can we can we talk about Hooters just briefly? I've always Hooters? yeah, I've always wondered. I'm like why why did people go Guns there? Fans, you're welcome. We're finally talking about Hooters. I just <laughs> I've always, why do people go there? There's better places for wings. Um, like, what do you, is are there you, really an appeal? Really? Are you asking why they go there? There's two reasons, and they're already on display most of the time. Then, when you, then you go can go there, to right? a strip club for lunch if that's what you want to see. But who wants to stare at, like, Hooter girls? They, they, most of the time, they're, like, 17, 18 years old. They probably shouldn't be doing that, honestly. Uh, and it's not like their their outfits aren't attractive. I've always found it a weird place to go. Okay, well, a it is a weird, uncomfortable place to go. Yes, right, absolutely. very much so. <laughs> like very, very much so. But we're yeah. not the creepy guys that they're that they're uh, playing no, up. No, I see families eating there. Well, that's because there's a creepy dad that wants to <laughs> who consists. There has the never ever been a family in there that didn't have a dad. Right, with it's them. never like, the... you don't see the mom and kids going to Hooters. For, How you know, does he even movies? convince his wife to say okay to that? That's the part I don't understand. I just but all of it is so because, strange because he just like the old Playboy thing reads it for the articles. You know, he, he convinced his wife that he just loves the wings and he loves the 
atmosphere and all this and the TVs and it's closest to the house. I mean, that's the only way wives and kids go to this place. Yes, I really, sweetheart, I really love a, a, a restaurant that feels like the inside of an old barn uh, and, and really, really bad wings. You know, little Timmy loves the wings over at Hooters. We should all go. Let's <laughs> pre- gather the family up. Timmy's been demanding the wings from Hooters. We all should go as a family. Like, no, there's, you know, dad's a creeper. That's why, and if, I apologize to anybody listening to this that goes to Hooters on the regular. We do love you. Or if Hooters yeah. wants to advertise here, I read. I'll read ads for anybody. You can tell on so the my, show. My great Hooter experiences I did between uh, between marriages fifteen years ago. I I started going to Hooters with some friends of mine and all that. And so I had a good memory of it. Um, I got remarried, and one time we went on a trip, and I said, you know what? Let's just go into this Hooters. We were in Vegas, and there was a Hooters hotel and all. And I'm like, let's go. The wings really are good, honey. The wings are good. The wings were. T- terrible <laughs> and the and the waitresses were terrible and this was vegas i'm like god come on uh-huh. put your best foot forward yeah <laughs> anyway hey, i digress so there's apparently is a shortage of attractive women in vegas i don't know I, well, this yeah. is tim please cut this out of the actual pod no i'm i'm getting this i'm getting this back <laughs> on track right now so now that you are back and we are talking about the Suns, we do want to thank a listener for becoming a supporter of the show. Joseph Shook actually hits us up on Twitter a Joe lot. Shook. So, uh, hey, thanks, man. We appreciate that. Um, if you do want to become a supporter of the show, we really do appreciate you. Just uh, open up the show notes while you're listening to the podcast right now or watching on YouTube. It's in the comments below. Hit the Become a Supporter button for 99 cents a month. It really does help us out, and uh, we appreciate it. You know what? Top. We also appreciate people who just want to mail us cash. So <laughs> we, we have a fan who was really awesome. He said he doesn't like third-party credit card services. So he actually emailed us and asked if he could just mail us a, a small pile of cash. And we appreciate that. Greg immediately put his address in the email thread. I, I, which I'm regretting now. You never know who these people could be. <laughs> I love this though, Vince. Uh, Vince, I love you, love you, love you as as a fan. Um, and his his comment is there. Uh, let's see. I know things are getting rough when Espo is spokespersoning for for some questionable um, outlets. But you know what? Everybody, everybody that that we uh, that comes up as a sponsor and that we push, those are really good products. So, but I do really appreciate anybody who wants to mail us. Cash. No, no, hold on. I have to say, hundred percent. I have no idea who the sponsor is on the show greg recorded it so like i'm not it's baboon oh, you're not gonna get any ownership <laughs> it's no. baboon to the moon.com they're a bag place they they do fantastic bags i'm sure i don't own one but you know i'll read anything i'm ron burgundy all right if you but put it in there man. i'll read it i am a bag man i love bags let's just, I, yeah, be, just don't put the question mark at let's the end be of clear the, on the I'm sponsorships the <laughs> Uh, the, the company that hosts the show sends us those. We the, the the companies do not send us products. We do not try them out. <laughs> I'm not endorsing no. them. Well, uh, if we got free swag from these companies, then we'd be more likely to try them out. Right. Uh, we didn't, so we're not endorsing them whatsoever. So, but but for the cost of those Hooters wings that you're gonna go buy tonight, you can, you can sponsor get your the show. Baboon to the moon bag. No, you can sponsor the show. Forget Baboon to the moon. Yeah. I just I, I just wanted you to sponsor the show. Right for like a dollar a month, we really appreciate it. Just uh, open up those show notes and hit the become a sponsor button. So this is something but, that, or just throw your leftover ones from the last uh, Hooters night and put them in an envelope and mail them to us. I feel like I'm gonna be laundering drug money now. Uh, that people are just mailing me <laughs> cash in. An envelope, unmarked but... bills, please. <laughs> unmarked five dollar bills coming your way. This thing has gone so off the rails. Today. I know. I'm ready to get back on. You guys ready? Yes, please. Okay, so it is uh, it's something that has kind of been brewing, I think, all season long, uh, especially on Suns Twitter, but really uh, anywhere where Suns fans are talking is the free throw disparity that the Suns are getting. So I want to break this down a little bit. Right now, and, and the Suns are aware of this too because they actually contacted the league office regarding this free throw disparity. So right now, the Suns' um, opponents are averaging 7.5 more attempts per game than the Suns. The Suns are fouling 30th at 24 uh, fouls per game, 30th in the league. The Suns are sending opponents to the line on 24% of their shooting possessions. The Suns overall in the entire season have shot 943 free throw attempts 
compared to opponents shooting 1,263 free throw attempts. So far, the Suns, as of the time of recording this episode, have played 46 games, and they have only shot more free throws than their opponents in seven out of those 46 games. This is simple. It's the old phrase, respect is earned and not given. And these, th- this team has been bad for so long with a group of young guys that, that isn't known around the league that, that that is simply it. They're not going to get the benefit of a call. And we've known this about the NBA for decades, that that superstars get calls, guys that are respected around the league get calls and teams. It's not a new thing. So, like, there's no shock here that the Suns just don't get the respect. And if it's a 50-50 call, it's just not going to go their way right now. I am a little bit uh, in, uh, flummoxed, I guess the word is, on, on how few foul calls T.J. Warren gets. Uh, that, and, and he's in his fifth year, so I'm not sure if it's, it's just a youth thing. But I, I will tell you that on committing fouls, the Suns have committed the foul at least 95% of the time they get called for them. The Suns, they, they, they are very handsy, if we're going to call a guy hands on the, on the team. They are very handsy. They do get, uh, they go, do go for steals a lot, and they do commit fouls. And then you've got DeAndre Aiden when he does contest, he's not entirely great at keeping his arms up and stuff. So, I really think that uh, on the defensive end, giving up the twenty-seven and a half free throws a game, that's the Suns doing it to themselves almost all the time. Uh, getting the foul calls on the other end, yeah, there, there's a that does seem like they're not getting as many calls as we would like them to get if. The calls are going to be going against him on the other end. So for sure, T.J. Warren gets way too few calls. Devin Booker gets a couple of few two calls. DeAndre Ayton doesn't even try for him. That's part of it is DeAndre Ayton doesn't even know how to use his body to to draw a foul while he's finishing. Uh, And that'll get better. But uh, T.J. Warren really is the one that stands out to me who doesn't get enough calls. Well, I I don't think it's necessarily him uh, that because yes he's his fifth year he he has kind of proved himself but the Suns have been so bad in those five years that uh, that I think that that weighs into it too I mean these refs are human there's going to be a bias naturally just because there's a hum- natural human bias in everything whether people try to say there isn't or not. So I, I think that's definitely part of it. And the other part to your DeAndre Ayton point is when you don't get the guy the ball in the second half, I mean, the second half is when a lot of big guys, and in particular the fourth quarter too, get a lot of those fouls. When guys get uh, draw a lot of those fouls, when guys are more tired, those kind of things. And the team just seems to not get DeAndre Ayton the ball in the second half of games, no matter how well the first half has gone. Speaking of the Suns fouling, as far as like fouling percentage goes, there are only three players on the Suns this season that are in the top 50 percentile uh, for their position in terms of um, uh, not fouling as often as they should. Those three players include Trevor Reza, who only fouled on 2% of the possessions. Ryan Anderson, fouling on 3.7%. That puts him in the 63 percentile. And DeAndre Ayton. Uh, fouling 3.6%, which puts him in the 66th percentile. Are you saying getting fouled? Or no, 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 at, at, at fouling the opponent. So okay, okay. as far so as you... the uh, the entire team is in the, basically the entire team is in the bottom 50 percentile at yeah. fouling. So to Dave's point, uh, they're being really handsy. Kind of. So this is the way I broke it down, right? So, And I realize that it's not pickup ball. But <clears throat> in pickup ball, there it comes a time in which uh, a certain guy that we're playing with um, is just fouling on every single possession. And so every single possession, players are calling fouls, right? And it gets really fucking annoying. So there's a point to where you're like, well, stop calling fouls, but also you just have to play better defense. Stop committing fouls, right? right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the the <clears throat> guys you named on that list of uh, that didn't really foul were two guys who weren't really trying and Aiton who's afraid to. Like, right. So you have two you have two vets basically. So the to your guys' points have the reputation. Um and also Ryan Anderson small sample size uh, like I he didn't defend anybody so I take that out. But uh and then to your point Espo Yeah, it's hard to commit a foul if you don't get close to the other guy. Right. And then to your point Espo uh DeAndre Aiton being so scared of committing a foul that he doesn't. We need to talk about DeAndre Aiton a little bit on just overall 
DeAndre Aiden being scared of committing fouls. I mean, that's a good way to, that is an accurate way to put it, Tim, for sure. I don't think like he's like afraid, like he shakes or anything like that. I think he just <laughs> tells himself, <laughs> it's my job either. not to get in foul trouble. So I mean, he's not afraid of the opponent. He just doesn't want to be in foul trouble in the second half. That's ingrained in his DNA. But the problem is that he doesn't commit enough fouls to uh, to establish himself in the paint, for sure. He doesn't commit the big foul when he needs to. He's always got fouls in his back pocket, for sure, that he could be using, and that's what's frustrating a lot of fans and, and myself uh, as well, for sure, absolutely. Um, but I think he's already told himself before the tip that he is just not going to collect fouls because he doesn't want to be in foul trouble. And he was always told by his coaches, I'm sure, especially Sean Miller down at U of A, look, man, you cannot be the guy I have to put on the bench in the second half. I need you. So he's got that in his head. And it's going to take him deciding which fouls he can give and which ones he can't. And I guarantee you that about a year or two or three from now, we'll hear him actually give us a very um, dispassionate explanation as to exactly how he commits fouls now and when he commits fouls because he'll have premeditated everything he does. That's just the way he is as a player. There was an Elliot Kobo one that really pissed me off the other day. I think it was against the Raptors. Elliot Kobo was defending a two-on-one break. And I don't remember who who the two players were for the Raptors, but he was the only one defending it because why would anybody else on the Suns get back in transition D? And uh, anyway, yeah, exactly. he, he was right under the basket and, and basically <clears throat> they scored on him. And I was just thinking, man, Elliot Kobo, you play like 15 minutes a game, hard foul. You know, who cares? You have fouls to use, hard <clears throat> foul right well, and there. And then the other thing is is if you're going to foul on a fast break, if you're going to foul in a, in a broken uh, play uh, situation where they're scoring quick, at least stop them from scoring. So either either don't commit the foul at all, like they probably uh, all think, oh, this guy's going to score no matter what because he got past me. Or if you do commit the foul, go for the ball and then make sure that that you commit enough of a foul that they don't get three points out of it instead of two. Right, right. Send them to the damn line. <laughs> no, just... But but only for two shots, not one. Right, I agree. Well, coming up on this break, we are going to talk about whether or not Igor Kokoshkov should have taken a tech over Josh Jackson in the Raptors game. What we thought about the uh, Josh Jackson tech in general is Devin Booker, the next Carmelo Anthony, and, and should the Suns start Kelly Oubre. We'll be back. The Sun Solar Panel Podcast, now available on Spotify. Just search Sun Solar Panel. Now, back to three awkward guys talking about the Suns. So in the Raptors game, which I have to say was actually a really amazing game, and there's so much to take away from it, but one of the things that stood out to us as well as all over the internet was Josh Jackson, and I appreciated this Josh Jackson tech. Um you know, they had basically followed a bunch of pretty egregious non-calls uh, from the officials that the Suns were not getting. And I know that's been a point of emphasis on this episode. And Josh Jackson just straight up pushed a guy underneath the basket. I didn't I didn't like how he got that or the, the way he executed that foul. But nonetheless, I appreciated that he was standing up for his boys. He ended up getting a, a, a tech and a flagrant being uh, kicked out of the game, expelled from the game or whatever. Um, a lot of people are wondering if Igor should have gotten that tech so that Josh Jackson did not. I, I don't, I, is Igor the kind of guy that's ever gonna, I mean, he just doesn't seem like he's going to peak enough emotion on the radar to get that technical from the ref. Like, I, I don't know, Dave, you've been around him more, but, uh, you know, in my experience with him, uh, back when he was here in his first stint, not exactly like the fieriest guy to get a technical, I don't think. Um, I, look, Igor is not the fieriest guy. That's for sure. Uh, Igor would rather. Okay. So Igor used to be a player. He was a top prospect. He, he would have been really, really good, but he had an accident that, um, rendered him in a, unable to continue playing competitive professional basketball. And so that's when he became a coach. That's why he's still so young and has 19 years of coaching. Um, and he's never been the head guy other than national teams overseas. And so he's not used to being the one, if someone's going to get a tech, that the coach is the one who gets the head coach, is the one who gets a tech. Worst thing you can do is have an assistant coach grab a tech on, on something like that. So this is new to him. But having said that, it's ingrained in him. We've talked about it a little bit. It's ingrained in him not to blame the refs for what you're doing. 
the way to win games is to outscore the opponent. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. The way to win games is to play better basketball than the other team. And uh, you can't waste your time complaining to the refs about something that that happened. You just got to do it better next time. We already talked. We spent five minutes talking about how handsy the guys are and that they do commit fouls almost every time. They just, you just want it to be even. And that's that's the big thing that happened in that in that game on Thursday night with the Raptors is that it wasn't for a three minute stretch there. It wasn't even. So somebody had to 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 lay down the law with the refs. Well, you know what? There's no law to lay down with the refs. First of all, the refs don't change their minds mid game just because you said something to them or every player would get up in their face. So, so while I do respect Josh Jackson for doing that, I do, I absolutely respect him. Probably don't do it to the point where you give the other team seven points and get yourself ejected. It's okay to get a tech for complaining it's not okay to get yourself thrown out and literally give the other team seven points. They scored on the foul, so the guy got his and one. Then there was a flagrant free throw. Then there's a possession uh, where they made a three. So seven points in one possession is not ideal. And that's all Igor is saying. is like, what does it get you? It gets you more points for the other team on the scoreboard because every time you get a tech called against you, you're giving the other team a point. So if it's a tight game, which it was, 88-87 at that time, when Josh Jackson committed that tech, all of a sudden it was 95-87, and the Suns were struggling to get back, and, and then they ended up not being able to close out the game because they had to outscore the other team by seven and more than they would have otherwise before Josh Jackson's play. So all Igor is saying is, look, it doesn't really get you anywhere. Yeah, I can do it for show. I can get in the ref's face just for show, and maybe my guys will appreciate it, maybe fans will appreciate it, maybe media will appreciate it, but it doesn't really get us anywhere on the court. That's what Igor's um, base belief is. And so he's never going to be the guy who draws text unless he's told himself, I need to do this for show. Well, and it never helped Hornacek. I mean, we, I, I mean, you were there for those games. I sat like 10 feet from Jeff Hornacek when he'd flip out uh, you know, about something that was going on. And it didn't help him with the team because, I mean, it, it, didn't, it didn't earn him respect with those guys. And it never helped him really in the win-loss column. And to your point, you can complain to a ref all you want. But I don't ever believe that, oh, because I got that technical and I complained about that, the, the mo- it shifted the way the refs were calling the game. No, there, it probably makes it more likely <clears throat> they're going to call stuff against your team because you're being a, you're, you're being irrational about it. Yeah, right. you're upsetting them at that point. Uh, so I, I, I just I struggle with that. And to your point, that seven point swing was all the Raptors needed. I mean, they win that game by two points uh, on a last second shot, uh, and without that oh, swing, you're not working. And as that last to get second back shot. What was the likelihood of him making that last second shot? Seriously, I loved the shot. It looked beautiful. Pascal Siakam, wonderful job. But you know what? That's a running lefty. He's a right-handed player, by the way. Running lefty, kiss off the top of the glass, into the basket at full speed, um, going against away from the basket, and almost being behind the basket when you let it go. That was pretty good defense on Aiden's part. Pretty good recovery to get to the other side of the paint from where um, his man was was standing in the corner. And uh, it, it just was a beautiful play. So all hats off to Pascal Siakam. But, man, I think that was probably like a 2% shot. Well, and, and here's my weekly DeAndre Ayton rant. How are people complaining that that was his fault? You could not have contested that final shot any better unless you blocked it or fouled him, and you don't foul in that situation. And if you look, the, the possession before that the Raptors had, Ayton contested that three-pointer on a switch that, that forced that shot to not go in, too. So he had back-to-back defensive efforts that, that were quality, and I don't get the complaining about it. I'm so sick of this. This guy cannot win uh, online with people, and there's an, an obvious reason. He who shall not be named, uh, you know, who was drafted third overall, uh, is, is the reason behind that, and I'm just sick of it. And other shows... Other guys that do podcasts uh, on this team, I don't want to hear your damn love letter for that uh, that, uh, that who shall not be named. All right, I just <laughs> I'm so sick of it. I, if, okay, right. if you want that, go do a Dallas Mavericks podcast. I'm sick of this. Look at DeAndre well, Ayton yeah, and what he's doing. <clears throat> let's just bring it back to the 
the basics are that rookies don't win a lot of games. I know people are saying that that uh, Luka Doncic has won. Hey, a lot don't Dallas. name it. I'll say it. I'll say it. Um, <laughs> he's won a lot of games for Dallas, but Dallas actually has lost a lot recently, and they're almost out of their playoff picture. In fact, everyone's looking more toward the draft than the playoffs for them now. Memphis Grizzlies started out really well, but now they've lost 14 or 17 games, um, even though they've got the guy that people thought should have been taken second uh, behind Doncic. And uh, Jaron Jackson is really uh, good. What's that? He is really good. He's going to be a great denying that any of these guys are really good. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, Tim, thanks for jumping back in. I'm not saying he's not good. What I'm saying is he's he's not going to leave these rookies. No, no rookies are leading you to wins by themselves. It's the players around them that leads you to wins that are more veterans in the league. So they're all good. They're all very good players. Marvin Bagley's a good player too, but he's not going to be the one that leads the Kings to the wins. You've got to be have a little bit more veteran. So it's really more on Devin Booker than it is on DeAndre Ayton to win games. Mm. Well, I mean, his de- you can't, I mean, his defensive effort has gotten better. That was the big knock early on. And then he has back-to-back, quality defensive effort plays and yet they're still acting like that final play deandre ayton was supposed to grow a third arm and and block a circus shot from the uh at the end there i just uh, the the kid can't win i would i at the very beginning of that game kevin ray uh called him what did he call him he called him pascal uh sia cam See you, Cam. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, have you not watched a Raptors game this year? And the thing is, it's not like Pascal Siakam is is an obscure player. He's been killing it this year. Pascal Siakam, his growth is what I really hope that we see out of Mikael Bridges. That same uh, amount of growth year over year. And I think the Suns will be great. Also, when we look back at this last year's draft class, I think it's going to be one of the most Best. amazing draft classes that the Suns have ever had. Well, and I that, think well, in the also league. that the league has seen, right? Exactly. Yeah. It was a really, really good draft of players for sure. It, Suns nailed it, man. Isn't Siakam what uh, Shaq used to yell on uh, the NBA on TNT? Wasn't Siakam like <laughs> like? I don't know. Oh my God. I, I, no, he did. There was something like that that he used to it used to yell. All right. So and it, careening off the rails again. Uh, Sorry. Devin Booker came back from injury and it was against the the Pacers was his first came back his first game back after injury this time of the many times and Sun's Twitter just started exploding because the Sun Dave actually wrote this really great piece that Devin Booker needs to fit into the identity of the team and not uh, take the game over yada 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 um, go check that out on bright side of the Sun but then Devin Booker just had probably his worst game of the season, not just offensively, but defensively. He didn't look comfortable. He looked out of sync. And uh, Suns fans were calling for him to be traded. It was one of the dumbest things I've seen on the internet in a while. But a question started to come up, and that is, is Devin Booker the next Carmelo Anthony? Is he an, a great offensive player that will never carry your team to, to meaningful wins? How, how do you even judge that? He's playing with absolutely no point guard right now. He's played with rosters that have been a joke his entire career. We have no clue what Devin Booker is going to be because we haven't seen him in a situation where he could actually win. Like, what do we? What more do you want him to do? Like, he can't put this entire team on his back and score 112 points a game to win win games for you. Like. I don't think we know what Devin Booker can do in this league yet because we haven't seen him in an environment where he can win. I think we'd be lucky. Personally, I think we'd be lucky for him to be Carmelo Anthony in his prime. Um, I wouldn't mind that because those Denver teams made it to conference finals with mm-hmm. Carmelo Anthony. I think it's it's about the players around him. It's not necessarily the player Devin Booker. Yeah, he is. he himself is not going to lead a team to a championship without the right team around him but that's the that's the case for just about everybody remember James Harden there was a year where it was just James and nobody else and uh they went 41 and 41 um right but we're talking about every a team every like, young star if nobody's around him is going to struggle there go they're, look at go go look at the Chicago Bulls in the late 80s I mean Michael Jordan didn't win him titles till till he got running mates did there. he get him to the playoffs 
Yes. My point but, is there comes a time. Veterans. But they had, 30, they had 30-something win seasons when he took them into the playoffs, if you look at their record. Okay. Well, I, th- I think Suns fans would actually welcome a 30-something win season. I love <clears> Devin Booker. <throat> I'm playing devil's advocate. But there is a certain part of me that does think that when you are a max player, that that needs to translate into wins. And we're getting into the part of Devin Booker's career where his talents need to start translating into wins. I, I agree with that, but totally. that contract totally. kicks in next year. So that's what I'm going <laughs> to say. We'll talk next year and hopefully they have a point guard by then. All right. Look, fans are already um, nitpicking on Devin Booker, just like they're going to nitpick on any player whose team loses tons of games. So it's okay. Yes. Devin Booker needs to, there are things that Devin Booker needs to do better for sure to contribute to uh, a winning team around him. He's got to be more consistent on defense, and he's got to be more trusting of his of his teammates, which is what I wrote last week on Brightside. It can't be the, the Devin Booker show. It can't just be the Devin Booker. He needs to be able to trust people. One of the great things about LeBron James is, is the criticism that he got in his first uh, several years in the league when he was playing with inferior teams but still uh, was running through the playoffs with them was that he would overtrust them in clutch times because they his, because all the attention he would get on offense, his other teammates would be open. And so why not give them a, brand, a wide open shot to win the game or hit the clutch shot? And they either made him or they didn't. Um, Devin is a little bit afraid of that right now. He'll get his seven, eight assists in the first three and a half quarters, and then it's all Devin all the time after that. So he's got to trust better. But his team also has to step up to prove that he can trust them. And uh, that's that's that is that delicate balance. And the Suns have to find that. Well, and I'd like for him to learn on nights like that Pacers game where he just doesn't have it. Feed the beast, feed DeAndre Ayton, give him the ball, like figure out ways to get him involved. That's an ongoing thing. On on one hand, no rookie is uh, very almost no rookies in history. Not not none, but almost no rookies in history have been 20 plus point per game big men. Uh, they they generally it's just a thing that that big men don't get the ball a ton in their rookie year uh, because they don't know exactly how to how to manage the game and they're relying on somebody else to get them the ball. Aiden is one of the most productive big men centers in in history, and yet we're killing ourselves over the fact that he got zero field goal attempts in the second half on Thursday night against Toronto when he was six of eight in the first half. We love uh, he's obviously good at scoring. So why wouldn't you get him the ball? There, there's a lot of factors in that. Some of that's Aiden's fault. Some of that is the team's fault. Some of that's the scheme's fault. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally agree. Everyone realizes that DeAndre Aiden is one of your best chances to score. And why would Devin Booker suddenly stop trying to find him in the third and fourth quarters? We don't know. That's a mystery for sure. Well, look, I, I'm okay in it in a game where Devin Booker's on, and he was in that Toronto game. But in a game like the Pacers, where you just don't have it, that's why you have a, a running mate. So you can rely on a on a secondary guy like an Aiton to, to help you get it going. And I think that's a maturity thing. I don't think that's a selfish thing. I don't think that's uh, anything other than the fact that you're putting a guy who isn't usually a primary ball handler into that position to, to have to be that guy. And there's a learning curve to that as well. But I just, I, I think it's too early to, to tell if Devin Booker uh, can, can help his team win long-term or not. And also anybody that after that game was like, well, Devin Booker just doesn't fit this team and it's time to consider moving him uh, vastly overreacts to things. I'm just going to say yeah. it. <clears throat> oh, it's definitely a vast overreaction to trade him at this point. He does have to develop. He does have to, he does have to change just a little bit from um, I'll do everything Booker to, to I'll share a lot more Booker. Um, but you've got to also get him better players so he can be a catch and shoot guy as well sometimes and get more used to being off the ball because his team is doing well without him uh, handling the ball. So that that's all got to happen for sure. And he's got to develop. I think it's interesting that the Suns are extremely predictable on the scouting chart. Devin Booker uh, trap him out outside, outside the three point line. And if he gets past you, then, um, you know, allow him that mid range because it's only a two, not a three. DeAndre Aiden, if they're going to feed him, it's going to be a lob over top. So slide one of your weak side guys out um, under the basket and try to make it hard for him to catch. 
Otherwise, you know, if he gets it in front of him in the post on a bounce pass, then half the time he's going to pass it out from there anyway if he's more than six feet from the basket. And then the other guys, they're going to put their heads down and drive to the basket. They're not going to dump it off for an easy finish. So it's pretty easy to defend, to know what the Suns are going to do um, on every, on just about every play. What the Suns have to do, the players have to do, and the coaches as well, is come up with wrinkles that are successful. So the other team doesn't know what Aiton's going to do every time, doesn't know what Booker's going to do every time, and doesn't know what Uber Jackson and TJ Warren are going to do every time. We can see it. They know it too. If you, oh, actually, before I forget, uh, you, Dave, because I'm looking at you on Skype, um, you, Greg, you're there, although I can't see you, and myself are going I to be, um, are going to be at the Suns' home game on Tuesday against the Minnesota yep. Timberwolves. So if anyone wants to meet up with us and say hello during the game or even uh, slightly before the game, just hit us up on Twitter, send us a message, and uh, we'll come say hi. Yeah, let's meet. Let's just plan to meet at a place right by the the, the stadium. If any fans do want to meet up with us, uh, Suns fans, you want to grab a drink, you want to grab a beverage before the game, we're going to meet at Marley's at uh, what time is the game? Like 7? So I guess 5.30? Yeah, so we'll meet at 6. 6? Okay. Well, I'll be there at like 5.30. Come say I'll hi be me. there whenever I can get there from the Far East Valley where I work. So, you know, I'll see yeah. you sometime around 9.30 at night. So. So uh, Tim will be there first, Dave will be there second, and Greg will be there right before game time. We get it. Very very much like usually how we show up to this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hey, so Kelly Oubre uh, has been really good, and a lot of Suns fans are calling for him to start. A lot of Suns fans are saying he should start over TJ Warren. Personally, I think that's one of the dumbest things I've, I've heard in a while just because you need a guy on the – you need a guy on the court that's big enough to play power forward, so you cannot just have Devin Booker and Kelly Oubre and Mikel Bridges out there. If it were me, I would have Kelly Oubre start over Mikel Bridges if I was going to change that around in the starting lineup. Do you guys think that Kelly Oubre should be starting? And if he is, who would you take out of or who would you replace in the lineup? I really wish we could say you don't mess with success, but I guess you can. I guess you can mess with this starting lineup. I'd probably go Bridges. I mean. Uh, it's been nice to have Bridges in the lineup, but I think you can get the same kind of defensive production, maybe not quite as well from Kelly Oubre, but you're going to get a little bit more offense. And I think you might see Mikhail Bridges' offense blossom a little bit with that second unit because he might get the ability to take more shots when he's not playing uh, constantly with DeAndre Ayton and, uh, and Devin Booker around him. Yeah, I'm going to be that guy that um, will remind everyone what I wrote four years ago. Um, I always said that TJ Warren and Devin Booker are not a great pairing in a starting lineup because they they both um, uh, neither plays defense, neither can really contribute enough rebounding or anything like that to be uh, providing anything but the scoring. So I would actually put Ubre in the lineup in place of TJ Warren and have Warren be the first guy off the bench and win six man of the year. Well, consideration because it's, there's not enough time left in the year for him to get it. Who but play that's what I would do is I would have TJ coming off the bench and I would have Kelly Oubre in the starting lineup with Mikel Bridges with, with the three rookies and Devin Booker. I mean, I guess, I guess you get a look at it. It's going to be an imperfect situation. However you do it. And we all know you need a power forward, uh, in this offseason, right. an actual power forward. So, so you're not well, saying but long, it, but just a, just a little bit thicker guy who can actually rebound enough to be to help the Suns. Because since TJ Warren joined the starting lineup, the Suns are worse in the league at rebounding, and because they're only getting it from DeAndre Ayton and nobody else. These guys not only are they smaller, but they're also just not good rebounders. Um, I mean, even. P.J. Tucker was a much better rebounder. Heck, even uh, Eric Bledsoe was a better rebounder than these guys. So you've got to you've got to get a little bit more rebounding out there. I'm not saying you need the traditional 6'10 power forward like a Markeith Morris type. It needs to be a more mobile guy. As this team is developing, I'm 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 more and more interested in like uh, what's Orlando want to give up Aaron Gordon for? That kind of guy is the kind of guy who would really work. A really rangy mobile dude who is big enough to do some rebounding, big enough to defend some power forwards in the paint, and yet can also um, uh, run and move and, and stretch the floor and all that stuff. 
Yeah, my point was simply that that you're not suggesting that's the long-term solution. You're just saying Kelly Oubre is a better fit at that spot with Devin Booker on the floor uh, from a defensive perspective than than uh, than TJ Warren. I think right. that I'm defending has, you, Dave, is what I'm saying. Dessert has um, earned that, that starting spot. Uh, why wouldn't, why, Dave, would you not replace him with Mikel Bridges? I just, I just love, I, I just am a big fan of Mikel Bridges and what he brings. He doesn't need to be the, the uh, primary guy. He doesn't need to touch the ball to stay engaged all game long. He is their most reliable defender. He's the one that they put on the opposing point guards. Yeah, you can put Kelly Oubre there too. But a lot of teams have like more than one dude who can score on their perimeter. And so it'd be nice to be able to put Bridges on one and Ubre on the other and trade them off because they would defend slightly differently. They would have slightly different strengths in their in and being a defender. And Mikel Bridges doesn't yet know how to defend over 40 minutes as well as he can defend over 10 minutes. And and so because the the offense of the, the other team's best offensive player figures out how to counter the way he's being defended is what I'm saying. So it'd be easier to do some trading off in that. And that's why the Suns do a little bit better in the middle two quarters and the beginning of the fourth than they do in the first quarter and the end of the fourth because they become more predictable on the offensive end as well as the, as the defensive end. So what? if you put Brewberry in there with Bridges, they become less predictable there. If you were the Suns GM heading into the, this offseason and you could keep one of two players, assuming the money is the same, between Rashawn Holmes and Kelly Oubre, who would you keep? Oh, Kelly Oubre in five seconds. I wouldn't even think about it. Really? I can, I can find a Rashawn Holmes. Yeah. There's other Rashawn Holmes is out there. In fact, we had the guy. His name was Eric Moreland. I mean, really, I, I, I don't want to denigrate Rashawn Holmes because he's done an excellent job. But I think an Eric Moreland could bring 90 percent of what Rashawn Holmes brings. And the, the only reason he didn't play was because neither Holmes nor Aiden got hurt or started playing really badly and needed to be benched. So um, whereas a Quincy Acey coming in in place of Eric Moreland plays a different position. He's, he's a little bit more burly and can play the perimeter. So. I really think Rashawn Holmes is more replaceable than a Kelly Oubre. I would keep Kelly Oubre. Well, and I look at it, okay, who's more likely to start? If money's even, right, who's more likely to start and have an impact? And I think a larger impact, and it's Kelly Oubre because you've got DeAndre Ayton. Rashawn Holmes isn't going to be your starter. He's not going to get on on the floor and play that. But Kelly Oubre could wind up being a, a starter in your future lineup depending on how Josh Jackson develops or, or what you decide to do with him or TJ Warren long-term Rashawn Holmes is a nice backup to have, but Kelly Oubre could, could have a major impact in major minutes. Now I don't think they're ever going to get the same money though. Right. Uh, so I could be surprised this summer. They won't get the same money. I think Holmes will get way under 10 a year and Oubre will get in the 15 range from someone a year. And at that point it becomes a harder decision. But so, your original summation was, um, uh, what if they were uh, for the same money? Right. I would keep it. I would keep Kelly. I think even at even at fifteen million, you got to consider Kelly Oubre because what it does is it frees up your no, no. That's to what make I'm saying. Is it yeah. becomes a much harder decision yeah. if it's a fifteen million. If they're both around ten, then I'd keep Kelly. If yeah. Kelly is suddenly at the fifteen and Holmes stays around the ten or less, then I'd be more likely to keep a Rashawn. Although I wouldn't be a fan of. Either of those guys at that kind of money, I'd, I'd rather you wait it out until late July and get one of them for a lot less. So let's say you are the Suns GM. You're going to this offseason with roughly $30 million in cap space, and it will cost you about $25 million of that cap space. Um, so about 90% of it to keep both of those players, but you would be coming back next season with roughly the same team having to bet on internal development, would you be willing God, to no. do that with your? I, you, the Dark Knight. You know the scene where the Joker's standing on top of the pile of money and he pours gasoline on it and he lights it. I'd rather they do that. You, you know, cannot come back with the same team. What's awesome though, Tim, is I, I get totally what you're saying. And yes, if they spend all their cap space on their own restricted free agents, then it's a whole waste of a summer for sure. 
I totally understand, and I, no, I agree. No, that's not. Luckily, that's not, I wasn't luckily, saying it's a waste. That was more of a question. I'm not. I'm not sure. They're. They're. Okay. With I think it's a waste. Okay. If you did that, um, I, it's certainly something they could do, and I think it's a waste. The good thing, the lucky thing about that is they're restricted free agents, meaning you can spend your thirty million first, and then re-sign one or both of them after and exceed the cap. It's I don't, totally Rashawn okay. Holmes isn't restricted. He's huh? just Rashawn Holmes is just a free agent. I don't think he's restricted. I think there's something like the early bird or whatever, but, um, well, okay. So, but Kelly is definitely restricted. So you could, you could wait until after you spend at least then your other 20 million on somebody else, spend 10 or whatever it is to keep Rashawn if you want to keep Rashawn and then send, then sign Kelly afterwards. Well, they won't be able to do that if the league institutes our 20-minute rule to match like we talked about last week. God, so. that would be awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you just can't spend your whole cap on guys you already have here uh, in, in a situation where you're going to be one of the worst teams in the NBA this year. Uh, again, Like you're not going to see that growth, that success. You know, I don't mind spent overspending a little bit for Kelly Oubre because then it frees up. You could trade TJ Warren. You could trade Josh Jackson. So there's other ways to improve your roster that doesn't have to be direct cap space. But man, if that's, if that's the major moves they make this, this off season, it's going to be another long year here on the solar panel. <laughs> oh, we've got, we've gotten into the point of the season where, you know, I watch every Suns game the ones where they're down by like 20 after the first quarter, I start to really debate whether or not I want to spend my evening. Uh, oh, same here. Finishing watching that. And you know what? That that proved uh, would have been a smart decision to stop watching them uh, against the Pacers. Which I did. But it would have been a bad decision to stop watching them against the Raptors. So now that's the, that's the problem is they keep drawing you in. Right, right. They, they keep having that uh, too little, too late comeback. You know, but at least it's fun to watch that little it, late comeback. It is. It's it's a lot of fun, but it's the a lot of the time. Honestly, the only reason why I'm finishing these games at this point uh, is because of the pod. If it weren't for the pod, I'd say, you know what? I got a three year old. I can go play with him. I can go hang out with my fiance. There's other things I could be doing with my life than watching this shit whole fucking team. They got to do something next year. Tim, I ca- I Tim. cannot take this. Tim, you should probably do that anyways. It's not this pod is not worth neglecting a three-year-old. Oh, I'm not. Ne- I'm not neglecting him. Okay, let's let's make that clear. There's no neglection of uh, of, of Kingsley. I, I, actually, the fiance is probably like, you know what? It's better, Tim. You go do whatever you want. Well, for you, for you, the Suns games are on pretty late, so your, your kids are already asleep. Yeah, it depends. Those East Coast road games, our uh, road trips are really nice for me. Yeah, that's where you've got to decide whether you're going to spend the time with the three-year-old or not. Mm-hmm. The other time is, should I spend the time resting before my three-year-old wakes up? Right. Yeah. I'm just I'm just impressed you guys actually watch these games. So. Sure, you watch them too. <laughs> I'd still watch them anyway, but I did, I did tweet the other night. I'm like, why am I watching this when they were down to the Pacers – and I just didn't feel like there was going to be any energy in that game. But I've been fooled before. I mean, they came back. They were down almost 20 on the Kings. They were down almost 20 against uh, the Raptors. And they came back both times. The Pacers just looked. Pacers, the, not the Pacers. Pacers looked great. The Sun just looked off in that Pacers yeah. game. There was something and about the it. The Pacers where... knocked them off in the first right. five minutes. I mean, the Suns had 10 turnovers in the first quarter alone, with most of those being in the first five minutes because the Suns came in a little bit tentative on their passes and the Pacers came in really dialed in kind of like the Suns did against the Nuggets a week and a half ago. So it uh, actually is about a week ago. Um, so it, it just depends on, and, and the Suns don't get off the mat as quickly as they otherwise should probably because they're so young. They, they, it's a, the game is mental as much as it is physical. Yeah. It's a damn headband that Devin Booker was wearing. I hate that headband. I hate that headband. Please. Can we have the, take the headband off campaign please because that makes me think of old jared dudley nothing bad against jared dudley but it makes me think of old man jared dudley and that is not a good player to be comparing devin booker to Uh, tim i assume it was you that sent the screenshot from the twitter account of the the 
Chiron on the the lower third on on the game the other night. It was showing Devin Booker pregame, and it said "Will wear headband," as if that's really <laughs> we're we're at the point where headband watch is the most important thing on the season. Is how how fashionable will Devin Booker be on the court tonight? That headband is terrible. It's like he's a he, he went to ninja school and he put on the the ninja headband, you know, for for doing his. His little his his jujitsu stuff. Hold on, do you mean karate? Like, did, did are you? Is Probably. there a, is there a ninja school I'm unaware of where you get headbands? <laughs> you don't go to throwing star school. <laughs> I I haven't just I wait haven't till been I see to you guys school. at Marley's. You'll know I'm coming. <laughs> I graduated from ninja school and got a headband. <laughs> my uh, still this season my favorite my favorite TV moment for the Suns is when the NBA decides to show the. The, the top or the standings in the Western Conference and just list teams one through 14. <laughs> <laughs> There's no point listing the Suns. <laughs> like, they just decided the Suns don't exist. So, what's, what's, uh, so luckily, the lottery odds are, odds are a little flatter this year, and it doesn't matter as much being fifth versus second. Right. They're, they're um, guaranteed a top five pick right now. Right, right. But if you look at the latest um, probability, playoff probabilities, like on a basketball reference or something like that, the Suns are actually picked to be the fifth worst team in the league, even though they're the worst in the West, because there are four teams that are worse than the Suns in the East. I'll never forget when uh, the year that they wound up drafting Alex Len. I'm at NBA at, at the draft lottery. I'll never and, forget uh, that either, man. Lon, Jeez. Uh, no, but Lon, Lon, uh, Lon Babby is the representative in the room and uh and they fall right they fall from i think it was four they were supposed to be four they five, fall down yeah. to five and i just remember him after the fact just touting that hey we're still the the highest we have the best pick of any western conference team the other four are eastern conference teams like like somehow that was a consolation that i felt better that like uh, <laughs> and, and the media that was there would feel better about the sun situation because well, we still have the best pick of any Western Conference. Lon always team. tried to find, you know, find <laughs> that silver lining. I, I I loved Lon, but that that always stuck out in my head. Anytime I hear uh, what you just brought up, oh well, well, you know, they will have the best pick of any Western Conference team. Okay, great. <laughs> There's still four teams that'll be ahead of them, and you'll get the fifth best player. But all right. Well, all right. they aren't keeping yeah, that pick right. anyway, unless it is to your point, Zion protected. So we, yeah, we talked for uh, a few minutes last week and I got some, I got some uh, constructive criticism on Twitter. We'll call it that because that's how Twitter is, right? It's full of constructive criticism. Yes, that's, that's what it is. Constructive. Yes. I got constructive criticism on my, my uh, take. Actually, Greg, you were included too, but you didn't engage in this conversation about how we said that uh, MBAs, apparently we said MBA front offices do not need scouts anymore. That's not what we said. I know it's not. So I tried <laughs> to clarify that, but you know, it's like talking to a to a wall, right? That the the take was the same no matter how I how I tried to restate it. What I meant, what I was talking about was in the particular case of the Phoenix Suns with the GM James Jones, who knows that he's tired of draft picks taking years to develop, and he wants to develop an NBA level roster. So you're not the worst team in the league again next year you likely need to have veterans and not rookies again. So if they're going to pick, it's going to be one of the guys that is unequivocally you can't pass on, like a Zion Williamson, or they're going to trade that pick. And you don't need a draft scout to trade your top five pick. And and they're not going to have any other picks in the draft. I'd be very, very surprised if they take that second, if they use that second round pick and they haven't traded it by then. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, and I think your point too, and I think we both uh, said this was, if you're in a top three, four pick, uh, yeah, and it's not it's not uh, necessarily foreign talent in there, there there are so many ways to to watch it that it, yeah, and and that the consensus picks usually, uh, you know, it wouldn't be too hard to make that draft. We weren't saying forget scouts, cut them out of the game. You don't need them at all. And we're just saying in this particular situation, we kind of we get we kind of get why they, that James Jones hasn't hired those scouts and that literally it seems like it's Zion Williamson or nobody. And you don't need a scout to know Zion Williamson is going to be good. Well, in this that's, game. The, that's the thing. It's not a linear thing. It's not the more scouts you have, the more likely you are to, to take the right guy. All it takes is one good scout to, to identify the right player and you can get the draft right. 
it's not linear is all I'm saying. It, it, it's not like a team with 10 scouts is going to have more draft success than a team with one scout. It's it, You just have to have the right scouts. I don't think the Suns have the right scouts in place. I really don't. The only guys with scout at the end of their name on their, on their roster have been there for 15 years, and they were never lead scouts. So I'm not saying the Suns have the right scouting in their in their front office and if god forbid for somehow they end up with a 13th pick in the first round it's going to be nbadraft.net or draft express or espn that they're there that's the draft board they're going to use to pick the guy and that may or may not be great uh but it's it's not going to be tons worse than 20 guys who scoured the globe for the last 15 years and still came up with just about the same list i'm pretty sure lance planks and i'm not joking had like 71 people on his staff not all scouts but a large large staff and he sucked so <laughs> right it's about who does the picking and and which scout you know what scouts you have are, are they talented so we'll see how this draft works out but i I'm, all i'm saying is that the sun's front office has shifted from draft 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 everything else second to draft being kind of last on their list right well and the the reality is James Jones might not even be the GM at that point. I mean, if they decide to hire outside the organization, which I doubt they will, but if they do, you could have a new GM that comes in two or three weeks before the draft. So like it, it might not matter. Like he has his own guys. He has his own thoughts. It wouldn't matter who this interim scouting staff was either. So uh, on that note, a couple of things wrap up. If you want to become a supporter of the podcast, open up the show notes right now while you're listening to it. Hit the Become a Supporter button. And thank you so much again to Joseph for being our supporter of the week there. The second thing is if you want to meet us at Marley's prior to the game on Tuesday against the Minnesota Timberwolves, the three of us will be there having a beer. So come and say hello. You just got done listening to the solar panel. For more great Suns content, check out the Timeline podcast for stuff like this. There's no way that Hakeem Olajuwon makes his own pancakes. <laughs> I'm really sorry that you just made a great coherent point and that's all I had to respond with, but it, all it did was lead me to look up the fact that Hakeem Olajuwon made $110 million in his NBA career and God knows how much since then. He easily has someone at his ranch to make his pancakes, right? That's The Timeline, a Phoenix Suns podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. 